It has not escaped me that today is Pearl Harbor Day. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. So, you know, in that time, I wish I had been serving during that during that during that era. On the day that Pearl Harbor occurred, turn that down just a wee bit if you there you go. There were a bunch of people that were just doing their job. And Japan decided to do this preemptive strike, and a lot of good people, a lot of good sailors died in their ships when it capsized, and their their mates tried very hard to get to them. And we as a nation mobilized seemingly overnight. Everybody wanted to go get some. And that was the last time that we did anything like that. That was the last time we've ever pulled together and unified that way. They took their 9-11 and they changed the world. And that's why they were the greatest generation. So think about them as you go through your day today because they changed the world. Is that the same call? Same number? Okay. <laughs> we got a little, we got shenanigans going on here. Uh, every day, people across the world hear about climate change. And uh, they hear about how it affects their lives. And then this is meant to evoke a fearful response out of you to where you call for the saviors of the world to come in and do away with that dastardly you know, fossil fuel. And they have a big roulette wheel with every possible thing you could imagine on it that they've got to do away with, like waffle irons, gas stoves, gas-powered cars, you know, dogs, you know, all these things, meat. And they're always spinning the roulette wheel trying to figure out what's the next thing. What's the thing that's going to be the one that, that makes you coalesce around that one thing that you're going to get out and say, oh, no, my God, please save us. We can't do without this on the planet. So they've decided to bring up coffee. <laughs> and uh, coffee is now said to be under threat from man-made climate change. CNN made this statement. Climate change poses a huge, huge threat to the coffee business and to farmers. I thought governments posed a bigger threat to farmers. Aren't they shutting down the farms? Oh, that's only if they have meat coming out of the farms. That's right. Meat and food, not coffee. And they, they, they quoted the Inter-American Development Bank as warning that rising temperatures will reduce the area suitable for growing coffee by up to 50%. Okay, where's the data indicating that that's actually a thing? See, this is the thing about all of this stuff that you hear. You get to hear things all the time that are just a simple statement that has no evidence to back it up. None is presented, none's even offered. When they actually do get evidence to back it up, most of the time it's on a study based upon the agenda. They said, okay, we need a study that's going to say this. Okay, I'll, I'll crank one out right now. When do you want it by? Uh, noon. Okay, thank you. And here comes the study. And then they run the study, and then they say, studies indicate. And then everybody around you goes, oh, my God, studies indicate. We're all going to die. 
In Brazil, 98% of the people in Brazil drink coffee. 50% of consumers in the U.S. have gravitated towards specialty coffee here. All across the world. Coffee today is the, uh, you know, coffee today is the uh, micro pub of the micro brewers of uh, the 21st century. They're, they're the ones that have come out, and now there's all kinds of specialty coffees. I I have gone a little bit past the swill I used to drink when I was in the Army, but, you know, in the 80s, the stuff that I used to cook for my first sergeant in the Army, we could have fought for days on that stuff. I would get out there, and I would calculate looking at the grounds and everything, and I'd be like, what is the caffeine content of this going to be? And when I got close to the cocaine levels, I would brew it up, and my first sergeant loved me. And he would be quite wide-eyed while he'd be adoring me. I would be wide-eyed looking back at him because we'd all be drinking the coffee. So, you know, the idea that the climate epoxyclips would do something to the coffee industry, maybe this is where they think that you think that you're going to be looking at that going, wait a minute, I just I just loves me my Nespresso. What? I, I, I can't have that. The only problem is that when you actually do look for any real evidence, you find out that there's uh, not been a significant rise in temperature between 1979 to 2023. And I'm sorry, but if you don't see something in, uh, what is that? That's uh, 40, 42 years. In 42 years, if there's no gradual uptick at all during a very industrialized period of our, of our history, that's going to be uh, that's going to be bad. On the text line, hey, Bill, I want my coffee to show up on a drug screen. You're right about that, brother. When I get out there, you know, when I uh, when I did my drug test here at WORD and they, and they pulled it out, they said, oh, well, you're clean for, for everything except this. You have enough caffeine in you to kill a sperm whale. I was like, well, I cut back. Going after coffee. Scaremongers, they, I mean, they, they just, they, they know, no, uh, you know, we have a little ice age coming. It's cooling. Guess who controls the weather besides Gaia, the sun. And we're going to have some sunspots that are going to pop up. They already, they're forecasting them. They see them, they're developing, and that's going to cause a cooling period. So right now with COP28, you know, they had a bunch of the private jets that were going to fly the, the beautiful people to COP28. They were frozen on the tarmac in Munich. Because of all the global uh, climate warming. On the text line, studies indicate a rise in Teslas at Starbucks. I know. I see it every time I go by there. I know. Scientists in Brazil have discovered that carbon dioxide fertilization offsets negative impacts of climate change on Arabica coffee yield. So that means CO2 good. I knew that already. And I slept through all of my meteorology classes when I was in school. And I still knew that. I slept through all the important classes. They also, and they also showed the elevated CO2 increased photosynthesis by 40% and increased the efficiency plant's water use by approximately 60%. So um, um, what, where, where's, the, where, where's the short end of this stick? Oh, well, well. I'm not, I'm not quite getting it. I don't understand how this is a threat to coffee. 
I don't understand how there's a threat to anything when it comes to climate. And yet right now, if we were to go and uh, you know go and roll in on the snowflakes at the Pentagon, they would say the biggest the biggest uh, threat to American security is climate change. You know, you just want to look at them and go. I need all of you to line up in two so I can bang your heads together, just for my own satisfaction. That was so stupid. I need some satisfaction somewhere just to cleanse my palate. Which this is one of those reasons why I should never be in charge of anything. Bill, all those environmental types need to do is walk outside and look up. Blue skies, bright sunshine, and white fluffy clouds. We don't need to change a thing. Now send them to China or India and have them look around. That is where they need to preach, not here. Well, they never do that, Al. They never do that. This is like these gun controllers. They they come here and they preach for gun control. Go to Chicago. Go to the inner city of Chicago in the middle of the Crips and Bloods. Get out there. Get on your soapbox and hold up your sign saying, gun control. Guns kill people, not people killing people. Later on, we'll find your suburban completely stripped. You'll be completely stripped. All of your all of your equipment will be gone. And you'll be calling some guys that have what with them? Guns. Yeah, they need to go preach where the, you know, but they're not going to do that. Everybody right now is cozying up to uh cozying up to China. I think that's pretty funny. The guy that created All in the Family passed away this week. What does that mean? What did that do to America? You'd be surprised. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Uh, Norman Lear, he was a cultural icon. What he did to the culture is questionable. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. Norman Lear created All in the Family. He created Sanford and Son. He created Maud. He created the the Jeffersons. And what what he did, very slowly, very subtly, he made it comedic to joke about the blue-collar guy. And, you you know, you can look at, just look at uh, All in the Family. Now, you had Archie Bunker, played by the great Carol Carol O'Connor. I mean, that dude, perfect, perfect casting. And Archie was abrasive and selfish. And he was played and looked like the worst of America. While Rob Reiner's character, Meathead, was the future. There was never an episode where Meathead was not pontificating at all, but he held the right ideas about everything, you know. And during that time, Nixon was president. You know, race was a thing then. Sex was the same. So everything that he came out about, uh, and this was all done for, let's, let's say it together, comedic relief. But while we're sitting there and we're laughing at it, we're not really taking into effect. This was in the 70s, remember. We're not really taking into account what we're laughing at. Because 
We were busy absorbing Meathead's lessons. And it was okay to laugh with Archie, but at the end of each show, everybody came away from that knowing that Archie was wrong and Meathead was right. And Meathead would be mocking the way, you know, Archie was presenting in in, in the contrived way he was presenting the traditional values of America the traditional things of America, the traditional traditional, uh, thought process of America. And Meathead would be coming after him about this. So the blue-collar guy on All in the Family was the villain, and the aspiring graduate student was the hero. So while everybody's sitting back, and I mean, they won a lot of awards, they got a lot of ratings, I mean... Uh, all in the family went from uh, all in the family when they wrote Edith out of the out of the series to uh, to Archie's place, and it it went on for a very long time. But what you had was politics coming in in a very subliminal way. This led to uh, Maud with B. Arthur and the Jeffersons, and. Maud, of course, led to uh, uh, good times. Lear also saw this show on, in Britain called Steptoe and Son, and he brought it here and made it Sanford and Son. And I used to watch these, and it was funny. But you always had somebody in there that was preaching what was then thought to be the prevalent thought process of the day of the left. What, what would turn out to be the left. And it everybody walked with, with that many shows out there and with that much subtle subliminal indoctrination going on. It took hold. They winnowed their way. And it was really, and this happened because it was really well written. But there was uh, points about lingering racism, which were valid. Sexual assault or women dealing with breast cancer. But most of all, what happened was the cultural and political madness that had its grip on America at the time. This was dualism. They call this, uh, I believe it's Man- Manichaean. And I'm not going to pronounce it because I can't pronounce it. But this is the binary of good and evil. This is what runs the Democrat Party now. This is what runs the secular Jewish people that are with the Democrats today. The dualist vision. It was no longer the case that people shared a vision of America. And only disagreed with the means to get to that point. These shows were teaching that the social values that we held traditionally were evil. And the people who embraced those values were then, therefore, evil. And that still affects a lot of Jewish people today. They're afraid of religion because of the way they associate it with the the, uh, past Christian and current Islamic anti-Semitism. So for them, only the state offers a refuge from that assault. And because they're ignorant 
and they fell for the propaganda. They don't understand what Hitler and Stalin were doing. They don't understand that these guys were socialists. And Marx built socialism into his principles. So conservative Jews, on the other hand, are saying that conservative America, Christians, and the Bible and the Constitution is what stands against 2,000 years of genocidal madness. One of the things that Lear did was he founded something called the People for the American Way in 1980. And his stated purpose was to oppose a religious rights effort to push back against two decades of the less successful efforts to erase traditional values from America. They were very, very pivotal in making sure that Robert Bork didn't make it to the Supreme Court. Joe Biden figured in that as well. And we ended up with Arthur Kennedy. Same guy who sided with leftists on abortion, affirmative action, and capital punishment. So Norman Lear lived to be 101 years old. He was born in 1922, good Lord. And you know what? He, he lived a life without scandal. And uh, he, he, was, he was a very nice man by all accounts. But the tragedy of him and the tragedy of people like him in America is they start out liberal, which means they are for liberty. They're looking for equality. They start out looking for something that we should all be looking for. And then they end up as a leftist. Because while they're looking for it, the only way they begin to believe that they can actually achieve that is to force it. And that's never – getting out there and trying to force people into uh, – is one of those things. So um, I enjoyed his shows. I, uh, you know, I, I understand why they used the platform to do what they did. It worked. Still works today. But know it for what it is. See, when I get out there and I say, I don't watch television, there's a reason I don't watch television. Because sometimes some things are so subliminal, it'll gain a, it'll gain a hold on you in your head. And once that happens, then you're looking for, as, as you look for a way to try to understand what you may be taking from it, because there's always something taken from it. It doesn't matter how innocuous you think the show is. I mean, Three's Company, that was one of those shows where there was a message given out that took hold, right? There was a message that was put out that took hold. Three's Company made the Rachel Dolezals and the Sean Whites and the Elizabeth Warrens possible because the star of the show was pretending to be something he wasn't, right? And there was a bunch of laughs out of that. Why are the Ivy League uh, universities so blasé about genocide? I really want to know the answer to that one. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. I'm going to tell you the only problem with TikTok. I'm going to tell you what that is. 
GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. When you have a bunch of people on a campus that get their world history from TikTok, these are the same people that when Ukraine got attacked, they all went out and bought Ukrainian flags. I wish I had been making Ukrainian flags at the time because right now I'd be retired. They all went out and bought a Ukrainian flag, and they put it as their icon on their YouTube and on their Facebook and on their TikTok, and everybody was Ukrainian, and we all sat back, and it was trendy to do. And right now it's trendy to be Hamas-liking. All because of TikTok. So everybody's going out, and I believe they pronounce it kefia. They're, they're wearing the kefia on, on their heads, and they, they, they don't know what that means, and they don't know what that could entail. And it's a little bit wearing that, if you're not a member of an Islamic group, is a little bit like wearing a blue or red, uh, you know, a blue or red uh, kerchief in the Crips and Bloods territory on the wrong day. But they don't know that because it's trendy. And we want to look trendy too, so we'll, you know, we all make the same video. And on TikTok, you can go out there and you can say Hamas lovers, and it's just going to be millions and millions of things, and all of them are going to be in college, and they're going to be psychiatrists when they grow up. So, of course, when you have a bunch of diversity hires running a bunch of Ivy League schools, see, here's the here's the thing. This is the question: If somebody comes up to you and says. Should anybody be able to be, should we want to wipe out anybody simply because they exist? That's the root question. And the answer should always be, no matter what your persuasion is, no. Absolutely not. Hell no. It should be one of those. And if you can't say that, if you have to sit back and go, well, I need a little context on, you are an evil person. And voila, just like that, we have the heads of three colleges, which I've already talked about right now. Right now, they're right now on the uh, on on the on the TikToks. They're calling for the on the TikTok all of the trendy white kids. <laughs> I don't know what it is about that. Uh, they're calling for the globalization of the intifada. Unfortunately. On these college campuses, you have some Jewish kids on there as well. And sometimes they get chased into the attic trying to dodge being murdered or lynched for existing. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was born, nobody came to me and asked my opinion of what color I should be, what sex I should be. I wasn't told any of that. I wasn't offered a chance to influence any of that. I just simply was born to a family. I was Caucasian. I was male. I was in I was in an American Christian family. And I had nothing to do with that. Not, not a thing. So therefore, I am not at fault for being those things. And if somebody, you know, the, the proper response, if somebody wants to kill me and somebody says, should he be killed because of this, is, uh, well... No. And if you can't answer that, you're, you're giving it away. Now, right now, and this is why I should never be in charge of nothing. If, if I were in charge of a college campus and I saw somebody walking around with a sign saying, Jews need genocide, I would go up to that student. I would merely ask them who they are. I would revoke whatever they had that allowed them to be on my campus. I would cancel their scholarship. I would refund their tuition money. I would do something, and they would be out of there. Not only would I do that, but I would make sure 
that that per, I, I would dox them because evil people don't get a right to privacy. I'm sorry. I would dox them just like that guy with the dox truck did out there. And uh, that's what needs to be happening. Now, that's not what is happening on our college campuses today. Liz McGill, the president of uh, 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 in Pennsylvania, said the question of whether calling for a Jewish genocide constitutes bullying is context-dependent. No, it isn't, you word-salad Herodin harlot. It is not context-dependent. If you have a political group, which is what you have, calling for the genocide of a particular people because they simply are there, that is not dependent on context. That is evil. It has to be rooted out and searched and closed with and destroyed. These, uh, these, these, the heads of these, uh, these institutions, you guys beclowned yourself. You truly proved that your diversity, this was your moment to shine. This was your moment to, you know, you know, baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. You could have done that. But you didn't. You didn't do that because you're leftists, because you're trapped. You're trapped in that leftist mindset that you can't escape. You believe what you believe, and you, you, if we were to show you how you've been fooled, you would be so angry with us. You wouldn't be angry that you were fooled because this fits your worldview. This fits your narrative of what you want. You want to control people. You like being in charge. But uh, now you get angry about being fooled. And in the end... All of these groups that you want to cozy up to, guess what you are to them? Your fodder, your fuel. You'll be spent so fast you won't believe it. You'll be out there thinking, I've been loyal, I've been this, I've been that. Nope. <laughs> You'll be done so quick, it'll be, it'll be. And the, the, the difference is, if they come after me, I'm going to put up a defense against them, and I'm going to be coming at them with righteous anger. If they come at you, you're going to be shocked. And that's going to be the last expression on your face. Because it will all come down to that very basic premise of your personal survival. Because that's what it all boils down to. Submit or die. And all of these things that you dance around, you know, Islam and the leftism and the Marxism and all this, they'll sacrifice you so fast you won't believe it. So while you're out there and uh, screaming at people that you, oh, look, it's a Jewish person, you need to be wiped out. I don't see any of that happening around here. And that's good. That's really good because it's keeping me out of trouble. Because there's a, I, you know, I, I belong to a group of people, to, to a demographic, that we would not allow that to happen in our midst. And you can look at us and say, oh, it's just a bunch of old men. <laughs> you have no idea what you're talking about. And that's your problem. It's not my problem. Anyway. But here's the question, and I think I think this has a part of it. Is Generation Z turning against Western civilization? Hmm. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. You know, from uh, World War II 
to Vietnam, the young people of America had a lot of things that would drive them to despair, and yet they always managed as a demographic group to somehow manage to not do that. They would, uh, they would find a way to look forward to the future. Some of them had issues when they would come back from some of these things, but I mean, and the nation as a whole, you know, was also involved with all of these things that was going on at the time. Generation Z, though, there's no single issue that you can look at as a catalyzing agent for Generation Z. Nothing like the Vietnam War, anyway. Now, the boomers, the baby boomers that participated in the Vietnam War, they were angry, but they turned out reasonably well. There were a lot of new jobs that were created. Mostly younger people dread uh, almost everything that lies ahead today, though. The majority of them, according to a Lancet study, see the entire planet as doomed by climate change. And this is the thing. This is why you see the Greta Thunbergs of the world out there. This means, and I, I mean this sincerely, young people out there today, that you, the ones of you that are afraid of what's coming, we have failed you. We have failed you. Only 36% of voters in a new Wall Street Journal NORC survey say the American dream still holds true. And that is very pronounced among young people. Less than half of the millennials are doing better financially than their parents were at the same stage in life. This is the first time a generation has fallen behind the one that came before it in history in recent history. About 7 in 10 think the young adults today have a harder time than their parents' generation when it comes to saving for the future, 72%. Paying for college, 71%. And buying a home, 70%. And we have done, you know, the things that we've tried to do for young people to make life easier, to make things more attainable, has worked against them. We need to get the federal government, for example, out of financing college education right now it's a very luxurious thing to be an educator an administrator in college and the money has corrupted the institution as government money does everything else the decline in home ownership is damaging as well whenever you own a home in a community you feel like you're rooted in that community that you're a part of it And for some of these kids who don't look around and go, well, why is Barack Obama buying all that oceanfront property if it's all going to burn up or be underwater soon? Why is he doing that? They're not doing that. They're only hearing the headline, the partial statements, right? And I, I say this to you, if you're in Generation Z or whatever the next, is it going to be Generation Alpha, the next one that comes up? Whatever you are. In the, uh, it will be what you make of it, won't it? I know nobody's ever told you that before, but you, you have a world of wonder at your fingertips right now in your pocket. And instead of using that to spend your day, spend five or six hours a day watching TikToks, you should be reading things. You should be exploring things. You should be learning things. And then you should be implementing things. There are some of you out there that have done this 
absolutely. You have taken the, the you've taken the technology boom and you've turned it into an industry. Who's heard of King Batch? You ever heard of King Batch? King Batch started out on Vine. His name is Andrew Batchelor. He's a black young black man from Canada. He was educated in Florida. He moved to California. He made uh, he he became the biggest thing on Vine. And then when Vine died, he moved to YouTube. And then when Instagram came about, he got on Instagram. And now he's on. Uh, He's on. He, he's acted in several films that you, some of you, probably seen, and um, he's a millionaire. He went out and bought a million dollar house in in California, paid cash for it, and he used today's technology. He figured out how to do what needed to be done. He became an entertainer in the internet age, and there's a bunch of them like them. You look at people like Logan Paul. Logan Paul. I mean, a bunch of you go into Walmart and you'll see the prime drinks. That's Logan Paul. I mean, oh, I was just about to say that. Yeah, Logan, that's Logan, Logan Paul. I mean, and his brother Jake. I Paul. mean, he, he and Jake Paul, he and his brother. I could see them on a the track to be a, a, a billionaire at some point. Jake Not, Paul's brought brought boxing back to life. He has. Yeah. Yeah. I, in a ridiculous way, but it's a, it, it's working. It's working. It's working. Yeah. It's working. So you know, he even has the respect of uh, Mike Tyson. Yeah. Uh, uh, from it. Well, he's he he. He was he was a clown before, and now he's a, he's a really buff clown. He's he, and he he seems to be durable when he's in the ring. He <laughs> takes a good shot. He's not a guy. He, I don't look at him and go, "Wow, it's the second coming of Sugar Ray Leonard." I do look at no. him though, and I see he's like a tank. Yeah, I mean, he takes a lot of shots, but he, he, he takes them and he weathers them. But um, you know, Generation Z, you should be looking around. This is not this is not a world of doom. This is nothing but a world of opportunity. There's, you can go out there and make what you want to make of your life and do something with it today, and all the tools are available to you, much more so than it was when I was at your age. And, you know, I've, I existed in a time before computers were ubiquitous and before Facebook was a thing and before mobile phones were, you know, a mobile phone was something you hung around your shoulder and it weighed about six pounds. Oh, you know. You, you exist in a world today that you, you can, and it's not going to catch on fire, and you're not going to you're not going to die. You might freeze to death if we get the little ice age that everybody's calling for, but you're not going to burn up. You're not going to drown. Occam's razor: learn it, know it, live it. But don't be afraid. Living in fear is not living at all. It is not. Twenty-two hours from now, I will be back with you once again. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.